Good evening, everyone, and welcome. It's great to be back following our Pesach break. We're currently going to be beginning a new section in Tanya, chapter 18. In a sense, it's a fresh start. And tonight's... Chapter 18. And tonight's class is titled, Hidden Love. Ahava Misuteris. Very important idea. Previously we've discussed how And if when we finish the, the first section of Tanya, you don't have that puzzle, clear, the pronunciation of the translation, I have not done my job. This is something we have to, it has to be coming out of our ears. That It is exceedingly close to you. Hadavar, this idea, the Torah, the Torah and mitzvot, soto in your mouth, in your heart, to do. And we, we discussed previously, how could you say it's exceedingly close to be able to fulfill the Torah and mitzvot in thought, speech and action? How could you say it's exceedingly close to love and fear God? And previously we explained the Pasuk is not saying it's exceedingly close to have this burning fear of God. No. The Pasuk is telling us it's exceedingly close in your mouth and in your heart so to do. The ability to keep on going is exceedingly close. Unfortunately at times people go through times in their life when the only thing they can do is keep on going. If they think about what's happening, if they dwell on what's transpiring, then they can't continue. Hashem is telling us, no matter what situation we're going to be in, you have the ability to keep on pushing further. You have the ability to create a love through contemplation of the greatness of Hashem that will allow you to do. That was the previous answer we learned up until chapter 18. The problem is that, that if that was correct, if that was the complete meaning, then seemingly the Pasuk is not complete. The Pasuk is not literal. At the end of the day, in order to arouse, in order to create within ourselves the ability to do, we need to use our head. We have to think. We have to focus. If you need to use your head, it's not exceedingly close. The moment we say we need to use our head, not everyone can use their head. Not everyone has the ability to focus. And yet the Pasuk in Devarim says, It's close to you. Hadavar, this thing, the next word is a catchphrase, me'od, exceedingly, exceedingly close, it's exceedingly close to fulfill the Torah and mitzvot. If I need to use my head, you could call it karov, close. Mm -hmm. But remove the word karov, me'od, exceedingly close. Just let's talk about Hebrew for a moment. Karov means? Near. Near. Or close, yeah, it's near. Karov, me'od means? exceedingly near if the Torah would say it's near to you to fulfill the Torah if you use your head that's fine but for the Torah to say that's karov me'od is exceedingly near when I need to use my head I need to be able to use do contemplation 
That's a little too much. It's not exceedingly near, seemingly. So now we're going to learn a second method of being able to fulfill the Torah and mitzvot in any situation we find ourselves. Previously we discussed the method of doing something to create this love for Hashem. Now we're going to say do nothing. Do nothing. Reveal what you have inside of you. Reveal what's inside of you. Reveal the hidden love inside of you. We've shared this before, but you could certainly share this again. The, you know, the Hebrew is called Lashon HaKodesh, the holy language. Why is it holy? In Lashon HaKodesh, there are no, negative, there are no inappropriate words. So much so, the Torah, whenever it wants to describe certain things, not even bad things. The Torah wants to describe something that is impure. In certain places, it doesn't say this animal is impure. It says, this animal is not pure. It doesn't say that it is Tameh. It doesn't say it is impure. Rather, it says it in the more positive. It says it is not pure. In the English, it's, it, it's not such a clear differentiation. But in the Hebrew, it's very clear. In the Hebrew, it says... There's a behemah temeya, a behemah that is impure, or you could say a behemah asher enena tehora, an animal which is not tahor. It's, in the Hebrew, the grammatical uh, understanding is much, much different. Even when in the Torah, when the Torah is discussing private parts of the body, it doesn't, it doesn't mention them clearly. It uses different examples. The Torah is Lashon HaKodesh. It's pure. It's a beautiful language. And when we're discussing what's inside of us, it used to be and sometimes still today, people when they want to you know, curse almost or, or say something negative about another person, they call him an Am Haaretz. An Amharitz, this is oftentimes it's like almost a curse word. What does Amharitz mean? Literally, who could literally translate the words Amharitz? Nation of the land. Nation of the land. But when you want to when you want to use it in a derogatory term, you're trying you're kind of telling a person, oh, you're a farmer. That's people. They're like, oh, you. You know, that's that's what you're up to. You're from the country. You're, you're not as sophisticated. The Baal Shem Tov came and he said the biggest compliment you could give to someone is to call him an Am Haaretz. You, you think you're getting him? <laughs> you're complimenting him. It's like Bilam. Bilam, we know he wanted to curse the Jewish people. Boom. Came out blessings. You think you're going to tell someone off by calling him an Am Haaretz? It's the biggest compliment. The greatest treasure in this world is the earth. There are people that are digging, we're looking for gold, we're looking for mines, we're looking for minerals. The earth is the biggest treasure. And the deeper you dig, the greater resources, the greater items you find. So the, the Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem, he says, of course you're correct. Amharats, each and every Jew. Yeah, they're an Amharats. They're, they're people of the land. They're just like the land. Dig. And the more you dig inside of the Jew, the more you're going to find the beauty within him. 
Keep on digging. Keep on going further and further. Because bigger and bigger treasures are going to come out. Every Jew has inside of him a hidden love for God. Are there any questions? Okay, let's see this inside. Chapter 18, page 76. Chapter 18, page 76, left-hand column, to explain more adequately and more precisely the word very. The Torah says that it is me'od, karov me'od in the verse for this thing is very near to you. Ki karov davar me'od. The Torah says it's exceedingly near to you. How can you tell me it's exceedingly near to me if we're, com if we're completing this discussion with chapter 17 based off of using your intellect, using your mind, that's not so exceedingly near. It should be recognized with certainty that even the person whose understanding and the knowledge of God is limited, this person he has very little understanding of Hashem. And in addition to that, and has no, who has no heart to comprehend the greatness of the Ein Sof. Go sit him down and try and explain to him the greatness of Hashem. Blessed is he. How Hashem is a creator of all worlds. How Hashem is all worlds. <coughs> and because he can't comprehend this, he will not be able to produce therefrom awe and love of God even in his mind and understanding alone. He's not going to be able to create this love of Hashem because he's not able to comprehend even the most basic and simple ideas. Don't worry. Even him. However, it is a very near thing for him to observe and practice all the commandments of the Torah. And the study of the Torah, which counterbalances them all. Talmud Torah Kineget Kulam. We always we say every morning that the, the study of Torah counterbalances the rest of the Torah. Learning Torah is so important that we don't stop students from learning Torah, even to build the Beit HaMikdash. Learning Torah is so important, even for the Beit HaMikdash to be built, we don't stop. We don't stop. And nonetheless, someone who has zero understanding of Hashem, or at least so we think. How could you know? You don't know. But so, you think someone has zero understanding of Hashem? It doesn't matter. Even he can complete the Torah and it is exceedingly near for him to do it. In his very mouth and heart, and we're within the heart from the depth of the heart, and even what we're saying, he's going to serve Hashem with his mouth, with his heart. It's going to be in true sincerity, with fear and love. Namely, what type of love? If this person cannot create a love because he can't comprehend Hashem, what type of love? Ahava, ahava mesuteret, the hidden love. And this hidden love is in the heart of all Jews. And why is this hidden love in the heart of all Jews, which is an inheritance to us from our patriarchs, from the Avot HaKadoshim, from our holy forefathers? We are all very lucky. We are all distinguished people. Very distinguished. We're called, we're called King's children. 
man once came to the Rebbe and he shared how he's starting a minion, a minyan, for... It slips to me the exact wording. Very, it was very fascinating. This was actually the Mr. George Rohr, a big philanthropist, a big supporter of Torah, a big supporter of um, Torah institutions. He went to the Rebbe and he shared that he's, oh, he's beginning a Shabbat minyan for people that are, I believe his wording was something to do like unconnected. And the Rebbe turned to him and he said, what do you mean unconnected? <laughs> they are children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're children of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. What could be better than that? How, you, you can't get better than that. Unaffiliated. Una, unaffiliated. He didn't use the word unaffiliated. He used the word that basically they don't have, um, there's nothing unique about them. They're, but each and every one of us, we are a child of Avram. Our lineage is tremendous. Mm-hmm. We have such great lineage. And what did our forefathers give us? They gave us inheritance. They gave us a real inheritance. Let's talk about an inheritance for a moment. How old do you need to be to inherit? How old does a child need to be in order to inherit a a parent that has passed on? You're saying in the, in, the, in the Torah or in the, in the Torah? In the Torah. The answer is one day old. But well, control of it. Con- no, control of it, but to inherit, you just have to be born. child is born, he inherits his parents. The child doesn't have to be talented, he doesn't have to be smart, it doesn't matter, man or woman, there's nothing. <laughs> there's no legalities here. You're a child, you inherit. Smart, not smart, understand, doesn't understand doesn't matter. God forbid he's born with who knows what. A child inherits. And when, we're, when we say that we have inherited a love of Hashem, that means each and every one of us, no matter if, we're, if, if we perceive ourselves as big or small, we perceive ourselves as special, it makes no difference. We're all the same. But what, what is this love? Every love has an agenda. If a person loves his, his or her spouse, there's an agenda. It may not be um, a tangible agenda, but there's, you want to connect with them. Love has, there's something that the love is trying to accomplish. If we say that we love God because He's amazing... Hashem is so great in the previous chapters. I understand. Hashem is so great, I want to connect with Him. But what is the agenda of this hidden love? What, what, what does this hidden love want us to do? Similarly, where is this hidden love? I want to identify, I want to tell you, if you do such and such, you'll reveal it. Where is the address of this hidden love? What do I need to do? Do I need to flip my, eye, my left eyebrow? How do I reveal... This love. <coughs> Another question. So far we've shared two questions. Question number one is, where is this love? What's the address? Question number two is, what is this love trying to accomplish? Question number three is, how could you give someone a love? 
I know many people that their parents love someone and the children don't love them. I've never heard of someone saying that, oh, this child was born so he inherited... I've never heard of uh, someone inheriting a love. Seemingly, that's nonsense. You don't inherit love. Feelings are... Everyone has their own feelings. Inherit love? That would probably solve a lot of issues. If everyone would be born with... The, they inherit whatever their parents love, it would probably solve a lot of uh, family conflict. But it's, it's, it doesn't happen. But it's supposed to. That's where unconditional love is supposed to come from. No. I'm going to argue. You'll forgive me. Okay. A, a parent has unconditional love for his child. That's the theory. Okay. Okay. Generally, we say, as a whole, overall, we say a parent has unconditional love for a child. But unfortunately, we don't hear, we don't, we don't learn that a child has unconditional love for his parents. A parent will do a lot more for his child mm -hmm. than a child naturally will do for his parents. The Torah requires, there's a mitzvah to love your parents. And, but I'm not talking about the mitzvah. I'm saying on a, on a natural level, almost a biological level, a parent has a love that's much greater for his child than the child for the parent. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. I don't know if I agree with it, but it does. <laughs> I may be wrong here. I'm not telling you Torah right now. No, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm, not I'm not trying to and, argue. And, and feel free to argue. No, Somebody will argue. But well, I'm not arguing. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> So the third question is, how can we inherit a love and the final question is loving something or someone is not enough. Unfortunately, we know many people that love their spouse and yet that doesn't mean they do what their spouse wants. Just because you love someone or something that's not enough. You also have to have a certain measure of fear. If there's only love there's a little bit of a problem. It's an unhealthy relationship. Love itself is not, is not going to be enough. We always have to ask to be love and fear. The love should create the fear. A healthy fear is one created by love. And we'll discuss that more later on in Tanya. Uh, we're not saying that a, a, a spouse should be scared that they're... It's not that you should be scared that your spouse is going to hit you if you do... God, no, God forbid. There should be, from the love from how much you respect someone else, naturally there should be an awe of that person. That there's a certain um, kind of like a fear. Kind of fear of letting them down. Maybe a fear of letting them down. Yeah. And we've discussed this previously. Fear doesn't have, fear is not, uh, doesn't mean that you're scared of physical retribution. Fear could also be an elevated level of fear. Okay. Four questions. Again, to repeat the four questions. Where is this love? What is the agenda of the love? How do you inherit love? And finally, just because I have love, that's not enough. Many people say they love God. Unfortunately, I don't have so much time as I used to when I was younger. When I was younger, I used to go out on the street every Friday and spend a few hours going around asking people, Are you Jewish? Are you Jewish? And if they, if, they, if they would say yes, <coughs> I would, if it was a man, I would say, can we put on fillin'? Or if I was really good, I would just start rolling up his sleeve. But that, <laughs> if it were a lady, Shabbos, are you up to lighting Shabbos candles? 
But oftentimes, the, the person would say, I, I, I love God in my heart. That's, that, that's my connection. And I wouldn't really discuss it with him at the time, but if you love God in your heart, then you should love the manual that God set out, how to love him, which is to put on tefillin. Love itself is not going to cut it. We have to have love and fear. Four questions. These are not my four questions. They're not the four questions from the Agada. These four questions are the next five lines. Let's read it in, inside. However, we must, first of all, preface a clear and precise explanation of the origin, meaning where is this love, question A, and B, an essence of the love. What's the agenda of this love? C, how it became our inheritance. How do you inherit love? And D, and the final question, and how awe is also incorporated in it. How does fear come into this love? Four questions. And now we're going to talk about one of the most exciting things. We're going to talk about the inheritance that all of us have. Can anyone share one of the most famous quotes that exists with the word inheritance in it? Think for a moment about one of the most famous quotes that exists, a quote that the Torah itself prescribes you should teach to a young child. There's two or three verses you should, you're supposed to teach a young child. This is, I believe, the second quote a young child should learn. And in it it mentions our inheritance. What is that quote? What is the word for inheritance in Hebrew? Nachala. Nachala. That would probably be a reference to inheriting land. But um, an, an inheritor, an inheritance is called uh, Yerusha. Yerusha. So which Pasuk has the Shorish of the word Yerusha in it? Does everyone know this song? Torah, 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 Tzivalanu, Moshe, next word. Morasha, Yerusha, Morasha, Kehilas, Yaakov, now in English. Torah, Tzivalanu, Moshe, the Torah which was commanded to us by Moshe. Morasha, Kehilas, Yaakov is an inheritance for the congregation of Jacob, for the congregation of Yaakov, an inheritance. The Torah is our inheritance. The Torah is our inheritance. Okay, that's one item. Now, but let's focus here. Let's talk about the patriarchs. Let's talk about the Avot. Shavuot. Any questions? Sorry, maybe I'm going too fast. Any questions? Shavuot. Shavuot night, we stay up. We, we're all red-eyed. We, we daven, we pray. And then we read one of the most spectacular haftorot the entire, that are said the entire year. In addition to the Torah, we also have the Haftorah. In addition to the Torah, we have apart from the Nevi'im, the Prophets. This Haftorah, we say on the first day of Shavuot, is so special, it's appropriate to stand during this Haftorah. It is so special. It is one of the only times that Halakha prescribes a directive, who should receive it? The greatest man of the congregation. Very few. Very special Haftorah. What is so special about it? It describes the vision of it describes the vision of Yechesko, of Ezekiel. The vision where he's standing and these, this is taking place just a few years before the destruction of the first temple. He is in Babylonia. He, was all, he all himself was already taken together with the first group of people to Babylonia. 
And he has a prophecy where he sees the chariot, the Merkava of God, the Ufanim, the two-sided angels, the Chayot, the four-sided angels. He sees this chariot of God. It's, the chariot of God is so deep that the, the Mishnah in Chagiga says we should stay away from discussing this in depth and we should stay away from discussing it in groups. It is so deep. It is so, it is so mystical. It's a Mishnah in Chagiga. But I want to share with you, that's what the Mishnah shares. Of, Excuse me, where is that? What is that? This is the Haftorah of the first day Shavuot, which is chapter 1 of Ezekiel. But let me share with you, aside from the chariot in heaven, there is also a physical chariot of God down here. The Kliyakar is one of the foremost commentators on the Torah. And the Kliyakar, he's commenting on the story of Avraham, Abraham's Brit Milah, his circumcision. Very apropos. Last week, in the, in the previous parasha, we discussed circumcision. Abraham, Avram, is about to have his circumcision and Hashem is directing him. He's commanding him about it. And listen to the wording the Torah uses to describe the completion of the conversation. Mystical wording. The Torah doesn't normally say the conversation finished. We very often hear the Torah says in Vayidaber, Elokim, El Moshe, Lamar, and God spoke to Moshe saying, you don't find in the Torah says, Vayichal, Ledaber, Normally we don't find a, the Torah doesn't say in the conversation finished. You know, it's a little weird when you have those speakers that, that they say, they give a whole speech and, at the, a speech and at the end they say, the speech is now over. You always smile when you hear someone say that. It's not very common. And yet, in the third part of the Torah, Torah, again, Hashem is directing Abraham Avram on his Brit Milah, chapter 17, Perik Zion, verse 22. The Pasuk says, Hashem completed talking to Avram. It wasn't the last time. It's not that this was the end of his life, no. From this conversation, Hashem completed the conversation. Listen to the next word. This is this is the Vayaal Elokim Me'al Avraham, and and Hashem Elokim ascended from on Avraham. Vayaal Elokim Aliyah. Vayal comes from the same Shorash as Aliyah to elevate. Vayal Elokim Elokim rose. Me'al again from the word Aliyah from on top of. Avraham. Hashem was on top of Avraham. That's, what, what does that mean? Comes Rashi and shares, says Rashi, the Lamad who this teaches us, Shehat Sadiqim, the righteous man, Merkavto Shalmakom, are the chariot of God. In Yechezkel, in the Haftorah, we talk about the spiritual chariot of God. And in this world, the tzaddikim are the chariot of God. So what does it mean that Hashem rose from on Avraham? He was on Avraham. Avraham was the wheel of this, of this chariot. He was on the chariot. Rashi. 
comes the Kliyakar, another commentator, and he says the following. He says, what does it mean that Avram was a chariot of God? What does that mean? And in his words, I'd like to quote a little bit. There was no separation between Hashem and the Avot. The Avot HaKadoshim, our holy forefathers, they had a greater connection to Hashem than angels. They were, they were able to connect one-on-one -on -one with Hashem. There are two chariots. There's a chariot above and a chariot down here. The Avot, all they were, they, they were Hashem. They were like a chariot that has no other will than whatever its master says. It, you ever saw wood think? Wood doesn't, doesn't think. Your car doesn't think. Today, is the exact opposite. You Today, your car thinks. It thinks whatever you want it to think. You type in, right? If you have one of these new cars, you type in where you want to go and it goes. It has no other thoughts. It thinks for you. If there's another car, it will, it will, you know, do whatever you need. I don't think it thinks. It's programmed. Fair enough. The Avot, fair. The Avot, they were vessels, conduits for Hashem. No separation between them and Hashem. That was very special. And therefore, because of their investment, they received back. We know Hashem says, if you do a little, I'll do a lot. You just do a little bit. The Avot, they made an Isarusa Dilatata, they made an arousal from below. They did something unique down here. And Hashem brought, brought for them an Isarusa Dilatata, an arousal from above. They're in, they, what they did that they gave themselves over to Hashem Hashem gave them back a lot more what did Hashem give them? Hashem gave each and every one of their children forever a godly soul a nefesh elokit a godly soul so you'll ask one second weren't the Jewish souls around before the world was created? The answer is yes. So then what did our forefathers accomplish? If our souls were around before the world was created, then what, then how could you say our forefathers, what did they do? Simple. They put the souls into us. They made sure that these holy souls are going to come into the Jewish people. It could have gone somewhere else. Just like we know the Torah could have gone somewhere else. Hashem went around to all the nations of the world and He said, Do you want the Torah? Well, one nation said, Oh boy, no killing, too hard for us. Another nation said, No stealing, haha, <laughs> not for me. No adultery, no, no. No, only serving one God, I can't, we can't do this. The, the Midrash says this clearly. The Midrash says Hashem went, and basically, each and every one of the Ten Commandments, they, they said, we can't do it. It's too much for us. Came to the Jewish people. What did we respond? We said, we don't care what's written inside of it. Well, nah, seven, Ishma. We'll do it. And then later on, we'll try and understand if we can. If I can't understand, it's also okay. 
the Avot accomplished that these holy souls came into us. And this, in the blink of an eye, answers how you can inherit a love. Our forefathers didn't inherit us love. You can't inherit love. What do they inherit to us? What do they give us as an inheritance? They gave us a godly soul. Well, if I'm a part of God, I love myself, I love God. You don't want to break, you don't want to, God, no one wants to kill themselves. You love yourself. Hashem created each and every one of us with ahavats, with a natural inner love. I was learning with my students on Friday and we were talking about judging another person. And I shared with them a scary reality. I said, how in heaven do they judge you? How do they judge you in heaven? Someone passes on from this world. How does a heavenly court decide for whatever this person did, what's appropriate for him? Phil, how do they judge you? Well, isn't in part somebody down here is saying Kaddish, so... That's how you remove the judgment. That's after the judgment you remove... But... but Oh, I'm sorry, of course. They take your good and they take your bad and they judge it. But how do they like decide what's appropriate for this person? What's the appropriate punishment? What's the appropriate reward? How do they decide if something he did was big or small? How do they come to these conclusions? Not everyone is ultimately accepted. Oh, it's just a matter of how long it you to get there. Good, good. Maybe someone, Gehenim is only for one year maximum. That's why we say Kaddish for only 11 months. Because we say only the worst sinners are in Gehenim for 12 months. And if someone says Kaddish for 12 months for his parents, unfortunately he's equating his parents with a massive sinner. So that's why we stop Kaddish after 11 months. How do they judge you in heaven? Listen to this. You are your own judge. They take your experience in life and they play it for you back on a videotape. They show you a scenario where you did something and where someone else did the same exact thing. And they show you your thoughts, what you thought was appropriate for that person who did the same exact thing. You know, Whenever we do something, whenever I do something, I know why I'm doing it. I know that I have 17 excuses and that, and that Hashem is, for, of course, going to respect me. But when I see someone else, I'm like, he's not allowed to do that. I could do it. I, cause I, I, but he's not allowed to do it. You're familiar with what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. In heaven, they come and they say, look, you're, I'm not going to judge you. You judge yourself. Now it's too late for you to start judging yourself. They take your judgments that you've had until now on this earth and they play it back for you. And that is why it's very important when we see another person to judge them. Dan To judge them always meritoriously. To judge them positively. It actually doesn't only have an effect on the today. It has an effect on the tomorrow. Every Jew inherited 
a godly soul, a peace of God. And each and every one of us, we love ourselves. That's how I brought in this conversation. I was talking about how we all love ourselves. We, we love ourselves, but if you love yourself, you love, you love your life force, you love God. So are we saying that our, our parents are telling us who to love? No, we can't do that. Our parents have given us a piece of God. We are God. We, we have within us a piece of God, so we automatically will have a love for Hashem. Question number three clearly answered. Phil, is it clear? Eddie? Farstandik? Good. Summarize it at the end. Let's see it inside. So is this part of the Pintula where it's within us? It's our constitution. All of these words, the Pintula Yid, the Am Haaretz, they're all exactly the same. It means that within the essence of a Jew is God. And we need to reveal the essence of that Jew. We need to reveal our essence. We are the luckiest people. We have the greatest inheritance ever. We may go through traumatic times. We may go through tough times. But Pesach tells us, no matter what's going to happen, we're going to pull through. And it's going to be good times. It's going to be the most amazing time. Hashem told us that Pesach was just a taste to quote the passage from the prophets, like the days when I took you out of Egypt, Isha, you should continue conclude this one. I'm sure you've learned. Just like when I took you out of Egypt, I'll show you more miracles, a reference to when Mashiach is going to come, this ultimate era, it's going to be, we came from somewhere, we're going somewhere, we have a mission, we have a path. We just need to reveal what's inside of every Jew. Let's see this inside a few lines. We'll summarize and we'll put it on hold for a week. Here we go. The explanation is as follows. How? We're now going to skip to try and answer number three. The patriarchs were truly the chariot of God. Merkava. They were truly a chariot. And therefore, because they gave themselves over to God, therefore they merited the blessing of transmitting to their descendants, coming after them forever. How many parts of the soul are there? Five. How many of those five parts are within each and every one of us? Three. There is Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chaya and Yechida. Only the first three parts are within us. And that's what we're learning here. That the, our forefathers transmitted to their descendants coming after them forever the first three parts of the soul are Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama. And where does the Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama of every Jew come from? It comes from the ten holy Sifirot the Esesh Sefirot, of the four worlds, and what are the names of the four worlds? Of Atzilut, Biriah, Yitzirah, and Asiyah. Each and every one of us has a soul that sources back to the ten Sefirot within the four worlds. 
Yet where exactly does our soul come from? From within which world? And within each world, which sefira? That's to each according to his station, meaning we all know that we all together make up one person. According to which part of the person we are, that is where our soul comes from. And according to his works, according to the makeup of his body. Each and every one of us was given as an inheritance of divine soul. That divine soul is a part of one of the, of the, one of the four worlds. And within the four worlds, one of the tens to he wrote. We're all a part of God. So I'll make a summary and then I want to share with you what's going to be so cool we're going to learn next week. Let's summarize and then we're going to learn the most amazing thing next week. We discussed how it is not enough to say that it's exceedingly close to us to learn Torah and mitzvot and do mitzvot because of something our mind can accomplish. That's not called exceedingly close. Maybe called close. It may be called karov, but for the Torah to say that ki karov lacha, that the Torah and mitzvot are, are karov ma'od exceedingly close, we can't necessitate using our mind. So what are we referring to? We're referring to this natural hidden love that our Avot HaKadoshim, our forefathers, have put inside of us. So we asked, one second, what's the address of this love? Where is this love? What's the goal of this love? How can you inherit love? What happened to the fear? And this was all an introduction to what we've just begun. And that is, that each Jew has a divine soul. This divine soul comes from one of the four worlds, and within the four worlds it comes from one of the ten Sefiro. That's what we learned until now. Any questions? Sure. You mentioned five parts of the soul. Yeah. You said these other two are, are somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know you touched on this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But briefly, where? Have you ever heard an announcement? Uh, the following every day. Do you hear the following announcement? Woe is to the person who embarrasses Tyra. Have you ever heard that announcement? It's made every single day in heaven. You, you do hear it. But you're here. There are many announcements that we learn that are made every day. That, that one just came to me because it's from Pirkei Avot. Olahem labriot me'el bonash Torah. The two highest parts of our soul they remain in heaven. And they're constantly interacting with us, but they remain in heaven. Did I answer the question? Perfect. The reason what we've learned now is so important. This is all a build-up to share with us what we're going to continue learning, and that is that when you have a, the smallest part of God within you, you have the greatest part of God. We're going to learn. You could be the greatest man, the biggest sinner. I don't care. Everyone... How many people age 99 do you need for a minion? To have a minion, how many men need to be... Nine, how, if you have 99-year-old men, how many would you need? Okay, if you have tremendous Torah scholars that are 66, how many would you need? Okay, if you have ignorant people that don't know a word and they've, have, they've done some sins, how many would you need? Wow, that's crazy. And if you have, if you have 10, 13-year-olds that are playing basketball a whole day, 
Could you say Kaddish? There is no difference between a 13-year-old or a 12-year-old for a lady and a 99-year-old. There's no difference. <laughs> because Exactly. Because we're not looking at whether you're a doctor, you're a professor, you're a lawyer. No, no, no. We're looking at do you have a godly soul inside of you? Do you have a deep connection? Then 10 people, man and woman, 10 people, the Mishnah says, they come together, the Shekhinah is on them. There's just tremendous energy in the room. Right now in this room, there's tremendous energy. Even if we wouldn't be talking Torah, 10 Jewish people, the Mishnah Pirkei Avot says, Shekhinah Imahem. Each and every one of us has a godly soul. We have gems inside of us. Let's see this inside next week. It's fascinating. Fascinating, fascinating. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a wonderful evening.